Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 172 of the Tool Share with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode today, a FYPD mock draft with two great guests. And with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, you ready to do a little mock in here? Oh, yeah. It's FYPD season and been refining the ranks over and over and over. And, you know, I'm never satisfied, but I never will be, so... <laughs> now I've just got to final, finalize where the international free agents are going to be, and that's a tough task, and I know we've talked a little bit about that, but yeah, overall I feel good with the rankings. got about 125 players ranked, which is more than most leagues need or even think about, but I, I am excited, and all my FYPDs will be kicking off in like the next you know two week or two at least after the, the international signing period, so yeah, I'm ready to roll with it, and I think it'll be a good episode. We've got good guests, and I hope that it'll be really good for the listeners. Yeah, all my FYBDs are coming up as well. So we figured this would be a good time to get a couple of our buddies in and have a fun little mock draft. So let's bring those buddies on right now. First, you can find him. He's a dynasty writer and ranker over at Baseball Prospectus and co-host of There Is No Tomorrow podcast and also does daily top prospect tweets on the Twitter. Mr. Jesse Roche, you can find him on Twitter at J.A. Roche, the number six. Jesse, how's it going, bud? It's good. I'm uh, really excited about doing some first-year player drafting. It's definitely the season, as Chris mentioned. It's I feel like that's all I'm really thinking about right now up until the position series starts at Baseball Perspectives, which starts on January 17th. And there's going to be all kinds of content streaming out of BP over the next month or months. Good stuff, good stuff. And our l- next guest here, you can find him basically everywhere these days, but to break it all down, the In This League podcast and Patreon, Prospect One podcast, host on the Fantasy Pros Baseball Pod, host of the Athletic Football Pod, and he's also on the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast as well. So again, he's everywhere. One of the hardest working guys, one of the best guys in the industry, Mr. Chris Welsh. You can find him on Twitter at Is It the Welsh. Chris, how's it going, man? What's up? That's a lot of places. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of oversaturation <laughs> of me. Hopefully, this isn't too much. I'm I'm excited to do this. It's it's so weird. I think I missed the memo, guys, that this was like first year player like two weeks <laughs> i completely right? missed the memo i've been very delved into uh, you guys all took part in my prospect adp mocks a whole bunch of mocks creating the adps it's been fun i've had a series of it jesse was actually just on breaking down some of this stuff but like i just came out of it and then all of a sudden it was like you know first year player mock first year player mock first year player talk i'm literally sitting here and i'm like i don't even know what to do anymore i'm literally <laughs> going to do like you know those reaction videos online where people watch you know like music videos and they just laugh oh, yeah, i think that's yeah. what i'm going to do for first year player i'm going to just react to everything everyone else has done cuz i don't know what else is to do cuz i love this idea of us kind of like live drafting right here so i'm i'm stoked to do it and i feel pretty prepared with all the drafting and we just came off of another first year player that we did over for all of us, I think for the triple play. So yeah, uh, excited to do it. Yeah. It's definitely FYPD mock season. 
We'll get into that mock in just a second, but before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, Chris at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross04. Our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Jesse is at JA Roche number six. And Chris Welsh is at Is It The Welsh. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. And of course, both of Jesse and the Welsh's work at all those spots that I already mentioned. And make sure to check out all the great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Fantasy Baseball Leagues are open. Best balls, draft and holds, a lot of fun stuff there. And our 2023 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit kicked off last week on Fantrax HQ with a lot of great content in there as well. All right, let's get to mocking here. We have yet to decide the mock draft order. Chris found, or Welsh, I'll call him Welsh. There's too many Chris's <laughs> on this podcast. Welsh found this like 80s looking techno bowl looking like generator of sorts where these little football players race down the field. So we're going to use that to decide the order here. So Welsh, take it away. Cross, no better way to determine a first year player baseball draft than running a eight bit hundred <laughs> yard dash for football. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, is that what everybody else does? I think I, this is actually I, what I you're that supposed was to do. Yeah, yeah, right. It's very, very common. Yeah. So it's a hundred yard dash site. We, I use it a lot in different places. So what we've done is we've got the four of us. We do have two NA spots. We don't have to worry about that. We've set the speeds and this, I guess, is going to determine the draft order. So gentlemen, I'm going to hit start the rush. Does I do do a little auctioneering, but Cross and Clegg, do you guys, since this is your show, do you guys want to do all the announcements of the lead? And who's uh, going to get the picks? I, I feel like you, you'd be better than us doing that. All so right. <laughs> got it. All you. All right. Here we go. I don't know how quick this is going to go. So we did a little faster speed. So the draft order decision coming in three, two, one. And we're off. Oh, Jesse is coming out the gates hot. I am in second place. Eric, Clegg, you guys are both in last. Oh, oh. Eric is coming up the wheel. Oh, Eric oh. just took over second. I have currently tied with Jesse for the top. This is a tight race, guys. Jesse's currently got the lead, followed by it looks like Clegg, me, and Cross are dead set here. This is going to be a tight race. Jesse is jumping out to lead. Looks like Jesse is going to get the first overall pick if he doesn't slow down. And Jesse Roach with the first overall pick. Eric and Clegg are fighting for it. Oh my. That was a tie. It had to be oh. a tie. Oh. <laughs> Eric Cross with the second pick, Clegg with the third, and I couldn't be any slower coming in fourth for the fourth pick. So there you go, gentlemen. That's the order. Jesse Roach, Eric Cross, Chris Clegg, and Chris Welsh. That's our draft order. Boom. That was that was fun because like the two of you came out the gates hot and me and Clegg were like way back. I'm like, all right, this is going to suck. Then. It actually works off of like an <laughs> algorithm of just like those dice games, you know, where you roll dice. That's essentially what it's doing in the background. It's like each time it's rolling dice for players on its amount of moves. And it's it's a it's I don't know. It's one of the many ways we really need to come up with a baseball version of something like that, you know, because they've got like an NBA draft lottery order. They've got that. They need to have like a home run derby yeah. one or something like that for making picks that would be fun yeah they should that, that might be something like that somewhere but who knows so yeah again the order jesse myself clegg and welsh so we're going we'll do this as many picks as we can and keep it to about an hour or so we'll snake so one through four then four through one international players are included and i think that's all the details we need to get out there so uh, take it away jesse first overall pick all right, well, with the first pick, I will be taking Drew Jones, outfield prospect for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is the son of Andrew Jones. 
crazy tools, you know, plus plus speed. I will note that a lot of what you'll see online publicly in terms of where it's hit tool, this power may fall. That is based on a lot of projection because he's, you know, very highly projectionable, 6'4", broad-shouldered. Like his, his frame kind of reminds me of Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was young, for example. But the upside here is astronomical. I think that, you know, while the power right now might only be around above average, the raw, I think it could get to plus plus to go with plus plus speed. I mean, honestly, it could look a lot like what his father was throughout his career. So, you know, that's my first pick. I really do think it is a 1A, 1B. I'll wait to say who the 1B is for me, and I'll let it go to Eric. Yeah, so I think Jones is clear-cut number one for me at this point. I think the he has the best combination of ups, of ceiling and floor there. So love Jones, number one. He's top ten overall for me. Number two, you know, I've seen it go back and forth. I think actually the guy I'm not going to go with is probably, you know, more people's number two than this guy I'm going to go with. I'm going with Elijah Green, outfielder for the Washington Nationals from IMG Academy in Florida. As some of the loudest raw tools we've seen over really the last decade or so you've seen 70 grades on power speed arm you know the x factor here is the hit tool the swing and miss can keep that in check and he improve as a pure hitter to you know really maximize that power and speed but i think he has the highest upside even a touch more you know, pure ceiling than Drew Jones. So I think as lofty ceiling as well, I think he, he, he is number one overall prospect upside. And so does Elijah green. And I think those are the only two from this draft class that you can say that about love the next two guys that are probably be three and four here. I'm assuming, but give me Elijah green here at number two. Go ahead, Jesse. I will note with the green, you know, there was a batting practice that he had at nationals park with wooden bats where he was just pounding out 110 mile an hour, hits yeah. like over and over and over again. This is legit power. It's just about whether the swing and miss can be, you know, harnessed or, you know, honed in and yeah. make enough contact to get to that power. I mean, he does have crazy. crazy I, d- I just want to throw in too. Like, I had Elijah Green as my number one for probably about 10 months through so like I, when the hype. Here, when, yeah. Yeah. For like a really long time. Cause I'll also, I, I keep sheets about two or three years ahead on the draft classes just to kind of keep going. Elijah Green was near the top the whole time. What Drew Jones did and a lot of the report, I mean, it's similar to what Jackson Holiday did, but like Elijah Green had the mature body, the the opposite Drew Jones body. Because you're right, like Drew Jones has that like, you know, skinnier upper half that looks like it's going to build, but you wouldn't be shocked if he ends up looking like Fernando Tatis when he gets older, where Elijah Green already has a man's body. Like it's a like six foot four, 220. It looks like a NFL wide receiver when he's out there. But the swing and strike issues, I think, are really interesting because it might lower his value a little bit. I think he's incredibly, incredibly valuable. I know we're all beating around the bush, not talking about players that we haven't taken yet, but the next guy is probably going to be more the consensus number two. I just think that leaves on the table a really, really good potential for Elijah Green, even though there's strikeout issues. It's, I don't know, it's kind of Jordan Lawler-esque to me, where Jordan Lawler's big thing was, man, he's got all the tools, but there's a big swing and miss issue. Like there's more swing and miss in Elijah Green, but the talent is absolutely absurd. I just wanted to add that, that like, yeah, for sure. He was like number one for so long for me. Agreed. Yeah, so it's interesting debate, I think, upside versus kind of more of a floor. And I'm going to take Jackson Holiday. He'll probably be more of the consensus number two guy. But I can see an argument for taking Elijah Green in an FYPD at two because, I mean, FYPDs, there's risk across the board. And so a lot of times you shoot for upside. But with Holiday, I mean, he really broke on the scene this year. Obviously went num- number one overall to the Orioles. 
He's added power, good field to hit. I think there's still room in his frame to even add more power. I mean, I like the swing a lot. I think he gets generates pretty good bat speed. But what we haven't really seen is him, you know, lift the ball consistently, though I think he can get there. He's more of like a gap to gap hitter. But don't be surprised if we do see him get to more power. I think the approach is is really solid overall. And I think that he's gonna be one of those guys that doesn't really, you know, stand out. His tools don't stand out like Elijah Green's may, like the power speed with Green. But I think he's just going to be a really solid player across the board. And he has a really high chance to make it as a professional hitter. So for that reason, like I think Jackson Holiday is a little bit of the safer pick, but I do like Green as well that in the second spot. I like that pick. Would have loved for him to fall. So I think this is going to round out my last pick in the first. I'm going to round out what is the top four. Now, I won't say that it's like a lock, 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 because I, I do think I mean, we're talking about maybe Elijah Green losing some value. I'm going to take Tamar Johnson, and this is really easy for me, but I do think there's a sect of people that are down on Tamar right now, and it's just because of like complex league. And Tamar is a, I mean, you could argue like 70, 60, a 60, 60, however you want to do it. And this looks like a, it's a relatively high hit tool with really big power. A lot of the guys that you're looking at, like Elijah Green and a few others in the class, like he beat in home run contests in high school. Like, I mean, this is a true, I, and I always see like it come up where people are maybe questioning tomorrow's, you know, future power and stuff like that. It's not a question. This is one of those guys, regardless of size. Yes. He is a little bit smaller, but when he does tap in, it's going to be fine. And I think maybe it's the contact issues that people worried about. But like I said, with tomorrow, it was his complex performance, which, ended up kind of struggling. He ended up hitting only 130 in nine games. He had no homers, couple doubles, struck out eight times, walked six. But then he went up to A ball, readjusted, hit 275, got his first homer in there, 10 to 13 walk to strikeout ratio. He even stole some bases. Just one of the best hit tools in the class. And, you know, I, I agree with it. And I've always kind of gone down this road with, and I've mentioned a bunch of times, but like Carlos Colazzo from Baseball America when he came on, you know, he's like, this is one of the best, best, guy he's ever looked at and guy he's ever scouted was Tamar Johnson in his time of doing this. And I think the hit tool is through the roof. I don't care about positional stuff. I think that's also what gets stuck in a lot of reviews of players is you'll get into like crazy defensive conversations. And I just don't think you have to have that with him, whether he was DHing or playing second base, which most likely is going to play second base. But I fully, fully believe in the hit tool. I think he's crazy underrated right now. I think this is a guy that could easily be number two on anybody's list had he come out and had a big performance, but he's not. So I think it's a slam dunk number four. Swiping back first round in the next round. Now, I think this is really, really tough because I think there's a multitude of different things to think about. I have three in my mind. I have the upside for playing for the future. I have that middle ground of the player that I think I can get soon, and it's an offensive bat. Then there's the obvious, like, Kodai Senga. And I'm going to take Senga here because I think getting production out of a player, if you're in a first-year player, some are going to argue that Senga should be the number one overall pick because you can get production now. This is a, at least middle of the order, middle of the rotation type of pitcher, high EVs. You know, a lot of people will compare him out to a lot of the other international pitchers that have come over, but these are just like really good high EVs and it's going to be about command and it's going to be about the splitter and how effective it's going to be with strikeouts, but it's in a great organization with great tutelage. I get production now. So I think I do feel like I'm passing a little bit on two hitters that I really, really like here. I just want to point out, but I think if you're in a first year player, I 
wouldn't be able to at least pass on a guy that if I'm going to get four or five years out of mid rotation. I'm going to go with Kodai Senga. Yeah, that's solid. You have something to add, Jesse? Oh, I just, I think that's, that's where I have Senga personally. Yep. I think that we're going to ultimately maybe even rank him fourth in this class. I think the biggest question with Senga is his command yeah. because, you know, it was borderline in, in the Pwn professional baseball. It may look pretty good, but it's borderline for that environment. And the splitter or the ghost fork, however you want to yeah, 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 yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, it might probably is a plus plus pitch. I think it will miss bats at the major league level. I think the big question here is how effective his slider and cutter will be, how effective his fastball, even though it, it does average about 96 miles an hour, it doesn't necessarily have great shape. So I don't know. I mean, I really like Sega. I think he can be maybe a lot like what we saw with like Kenta Maeda when he came over, maybe better. I mean, Maybe he could be a U Darvish type. I don't know. It's this is the big problem with the with players coming over from the Pelham professional baseball is it's hard to really say how they'll adjust, especially in this first year. But a lot to like with Sega. You, you also you like I didn't mean you just you have this thing where obviously there's a gap that we're dealing with a communication gap that they'll be working through. But one of the things you gotta love. It's not like he's in a rotation with Justin Verlander and Max. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. You just yeah. if any of that rubs off and these these guys want to work together, like that's the type of stuff that I absolutely love. And and I kind of agree. It's a little bit of a trope with some of these international players that come over like Nippon and everything. But like you're gonna see usually early success because baseball is gonna have such a difficult time adjusting. The the big key with his command is going to be what's going to happen when the league does adjust to him. Will he have those other pitches to go off of? Everyone's going to see the ghost fork. Everyone's going to see the big, the big fastball. But will he be commanding other pitchers? Because I think he can have two months of good success, which also leads to not that you ever want to make picks for trades and stuff like that. But, you know, there's going to be really good early value, I think, on Senga yeah. with that team and some of those potential results that you could do whatever you want with. But we're going to learn about, a lot about him, I think, in the second half of the year on how he is going to adjust, assuming that the first half is a lot of guys being like, what the hell am I looking at? Like, this is high 90s fastball that's coming in with this insane splitter. And if he is even remotely commanding, like you said, any of his other secondaries or thirds then he's going to be in really good spots this is i call it the big top four with tamar holiday green and jones but like Senga's in there and people should know Senga will go one in plenty of your drafts depending yep. what type of league or whatever you do formats 20 i think bigger leagues 24 type 20s points. 24s Senga points Senga's going to be the number one i think probably over 50 percent of those formats in you know 12 15 rotos deeper leagues and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I, I would still a hundred percent go Jones green holiday and Johnson, but this is a five that is going to mi mix and match. And I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of variation from these five. Yep. I'd agree yeah. With that. I think that's fair. I go in any order, but those are the clear five for me. Now I'm pretty torn on two players, but ultimately I think I'm going to land on Brooks Lee who is with the Twins. He's advanced hitter, made it all the way to double A at the end of last year. Most of his time after post-draft was in high A, and he performed. I mean, he performed well at every stop. He started with some time in the Florida Complex League and high A then to double A to end the year. Just two games at double A, but still worth noting that he did make it up there. Lee's not really like a sexy profile or anything like that, but he has a great feel to hit. He makes really good contact in the zone. It's interesting this year, he you can kind of see he began to, you know, I don't want to say sell out for more power, but he began to swing more, trying to get to more home run power. And we saw that in 
his season at Cal Poly where he hit 15 home runs. It's a career high. The, in 2021, he hit 10. So he's progressed there. He does chase a little bit more. His chase rate and his pro debut was around 30%, which isn't great, but it's fine. I don't think he's going to be that guy. He had an 88% zone contact rate, which is just really good across the board for a player in their first small sample of professional baseball. The other issue with Lee is that he does hit the ball on the ground a little bit too much. So if we can get that little more lift in that swing, then I really think he can get to that power consistently. And I just feel like he's one of the safer bets in the FYPD. So I lean that way over another player that I also really like in the spot. We'll see if he goes next. And Eric Probably wrote, the player uh, I almost took. <laughs> Eric wrote that, and Jesse's heart breaks. Yeah, I think Brooks Lee is a fantastic pick here. I am quite high on him. I really do believe in the bat. And I think, look, this is a bat over glove player. I think that, you know, he's probably moving to third base long term. He's a big kid and switch hitter. I think the power could even get to plus in time. It's not there now, but it's you're really buying the hit soul here. And even if he ends up being like a six five type of bat, six six hits, five power, that still has a lot of value. He could look a lot like what we saw with Carlos Correa, another player that I like a lot more than Eric. What he did last year, for example, I could see that being like what a Brooks Lee future looks like. And maybe there's a little more upside, maybe a little more downside, but you know, he is fairly safe in my mind. Yeah, he's probably one of the safest guys just in this entire you know draft class in general. So yeah, the the guy I know who the other guy Chris was debating here, and I'm debating this guy as well. But hey, I gotta put my money where my mouth is and go with the guy I've been touting as my personal number five. Oh, here ta- it is. Taking <laughs> out taking out the international guys, my number five is Chase Delouder. So there I'm it a, is. I'm going Chase Delouder here. I love Chase Delouder. Three year at James Madison, you know, standout every hit over 380, every all three years, more walks than strikeouts in this collegiate career, hit over 400 overall. Kind of feels a little bit like Colton Cowser from the previous year where didn't have the big school name, you know, in, in college, but the skills are there. You know, he's a big guy listed at 6'4, 235, just really strong, athletic. Got some good speed as well. Yeah, I don't think he'll be a, real, a huge stolen base threat, but I think he's a guy that could at least be double digits, you know, early on in his career. I think there's 25, 30 plus, you know, home run power in this profile as well. And the OBP skills are really, really good. We'll see what the average settles at. So that's kind of the question a lot of people have. The reason why they might not have him quite as high as I do, though. Most other you know rankings and and mocks I've seen he he has to go drop lower than like eleven or twelve or so so it's not like he's you know a back end top twenty guy or anything like that from other people but I just love the all round blend of skills here I'm not overly concerned with the hit tool maybe he's only two sixty but that's gonna come with a, a high OBP and a nice power speed profile as well and got probably advances through Cleveland's org fairly quickly too so I will go. Chase the ladder here, putting my money where my mouth is. All right. Well, I have two picks now, and I think I'm going to deviate from my personal rankings just because I don't want to talk about this player. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk <laughs> about the player I've ranked highest because I'll let one of you all tackle him. I'm going to go with two college bats that I want to talk about. First, I'll go with Zach. He was the 13th overall pick, shortstop prospect for the Angels. Look, it's a small school bat. But the bat is very real. And while he maybe didn't play against the most difficult competition in college, you know, he has proven that he can hit against good competition when he when he has. You know, at Cape Codley, he hit 304, 439, 587, very small sample. 
But then in Double A this year, you know, he the Angels have moved their recent draftees very quickly, and I think there's a good chance that Nito is the first one that arrives at the majors in Double A in his brief debut. He hit 313, 380, and that includes another home run he had in the playoffs. The power isn't necessarily the loudest tool, but I think that the hit tool here could be at a plus. I think the power. I think it's going to be at least average in time. And there is some speed here too. So while his ceiling may not be like astronomical, I mean, he could be like a 280, 20 home run, 15 stolen base type guy. Do a lot of things I already talked about with about with Brooks Lee, but add a little bit more speed. So Zach Nito is a guy I think is going to, you'll see rising up these rankings in all over the place in my mind. I wanted to add, that was the guy I almost took for everybody, if you're curious. So this is a good fall for me. I considered, when I was talking about the three players, Senga obviously is the now guy. He's the one pitcher. The guy that I think covers the middle ground of proximity, high upside, all of that was Neto. And I really, really almost went on that side. I've likened him kind of to almost Royce Lewis like part of it was because of the there's like a big front leg kick that Royce kind of has as well but it's kind of a skill setty thing as well like the homer speed I think could sit in the same general range you don't want to make a full-on comp but just I mean the Angels have an atrocious track record of development lately and especially happened at the lower levels I mean it is through and through with how bad of a job that they're doing so hopefully things are changing pitching has been a, maybe a little bit different Reed Detmers obviously was a big success but they're just pushing really high to, to Neto and he kind of answered the call and I think maybe he doesn't have like the home run upside of Brooks Lee and he doesn't have some of the offensive upside of some of the high school guys I just think he's actually one of the he's He's maybe the best college bet of a five-tool player. Maybe not the most, most elite, but I think he has the highest floor and upside to be a great five-tool player. So I'll, I didn't mean to jump in here. I just wanted to because that was the guy that I, I almost kind of deviated a tiny bit and was going to go with Neto at five. Yeah, I mean, I think that you make all the points that I would make too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good pick. Uh, it's a great pick. All right, so my next pick. Again, I'm, I'm not taking the highest ranked player on my board right now. I'm going to be taking Spencer Jones here. Spencer Jones, 25th overall pick for the Yankees. Look, you're going to hear Aaron Judge comps for Spencer Jones his entire career. I mean, this is a six foot seven athletic outfielder with monster power. I mean, he just destroyed high A, of course, you know, low A. I mean, you would expect an advanced college bat to perform in low A, but even still, like he flashed the big power, 111 mile an hour exit velocity was his max in college. Granted, with an aluminum bat, 119 mile an hour max and 112 90th percentile exit velocity. It's just ridiculous power, and I think it could get to 80 grade raw power when it's all said and done how much of that power he gets to in games i think is the greater question because it is very much a flat swing he puts a lot of balls on the ground and you know that was another issue that aaron judge had as a you know college prospect so you know if the yankees developmental team which has been very good over the years recently if they can get jones to lift more while managing the underlying swing miss because he's six foot seven. There is going to be underlying swing and miss, and there is. It's not devastating at the moment, but you know if they can manage it, and he could be like a two sixty hitter and get to thirty plus home run power with some speed because he does have some speed. He stole bases in his debut. I think that he can be a double digit stolen base player, depending upon how he continues to develop. I think he has crazy upside if it all comes together 
does come with the risk that's that comes with all players that are as tall as he is, but huge. I mean, I mentioned Aaron Judge, huge upside, legit. Jesse, you did not help me make my decision here. I was thinking you were going to go one of these other two guys. So now I have a hard decision to make, but I, I can't let Cam Collier fall to Chris at 11. I'm sorry, Chris. Like I'm taking Cam Collier here. You can see him. I think he went fourth in the tool shed, not tool shed, the triple play FYPD mock. I'm pretty sure to Ross Jensen, I believe it was. I might be wrong on that, but he's a guy that you could see him as high as five. Or even maybe even as high as four, apparently, in FYPD mocks. You know, very exciting bat. You know, it's good feel to hit. You know, quick swing, can drive the ball in the air consistently. You know, power projection there, really good frame. Listed at 6'2, 210. You know, I think there'll be at least some element of speed. It won't be huge, but I think he won't be a zero there either. And then you just look at the home ballpark awaiting him. In Cincinnati as well, the most hitter-friendly ballpark in all of baseball right now. I think it's past course field for that title, so at least for now. So all of that wrapped into one. You know, he's going to be a very exciting offensive player, so I will take him here at number 10 overall. All right, we'll take a quick break here, come back on the other side to finish up this draft. Hopefully get another 20 or so picks in, but we'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. To recap the top 10 from before the break, we had Drew Jones, Elijah Green, Jackson Holiday, Termar Johnson, Kodai Senga, 1 through 5, 6 through 10, Brooks Lee, Chase DeLauder, Zach Netta, Spencer Jones, and I just took Cam Collier at number 10. We go over to Chris for pick 11. Yeah, Cam Collier was easy, easily my pick there. Same and here. You, I love you knew that. that. You knew that. I mean, I knew that. I, I could let him fall any further. Yeah, I just want to mention some stats that were just kind of silly that he had last year as a 17-year-old playing Juco ball in in college. I mean, I know Juco is a junior college for a reason, but he played at a high-end Juco, 17 years old, at a 15% whiff rate, 90% zone contact. I mean, just insane stuff. He, up with a wood bat, up to 107.2 mile an hour, which that would have been the top of the, the prep class this year. And he's the same he's younger than most of those guys and he played college ball so to me like i think he's going to be a really good value because i feel like a lot of people are kind of a little bit lower on him than that but for me like i think anywhere like five to seven is a, a really great spot if you if where do you have him Clay? because I, I have him if you don't consider senga i had him at if, if senga's not in it i had him at four yeah that's I have him at five, so that was without without seeing a five. So he's next spot. So like so, him and Lee were who I was debating so hard the last pick. Yeah. They're really close in my overall prospect rankings, and then I end up just taking Lee. I should, I mean, neither were going to make it back. I should have known that, but I was hoping that I feel like Collier had a better chance to make it back to me. So, I'm sorry, I had him at five. I had him at five. By yeah, me. I was about to ask like who of the top yeah, four yeah, yeah. you have him over. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had a realization of that. I had him. He like because I kind of put him in because everyone's like, hey, the big four in high school, and it's like I don't know if Collier's that far off from He's making not. that a big five. I really yeah. don't because I got to see him a little bit out here in complex. The Reds continent, and I know we need to keep moving, but. The Reds complex they got here in Arizona was one of the most packed you guys have ever seen. It had Edwin Arroyo, and this was in Struck. I'm sorry, this was in Instructs. It had Cam Collier, Edwin Arroyo, Balcazar, Yerfin Confidon, Justin Boyd, Logan Tanner. 
I'm forgetting another guy or two. It was just, it was the most loaded instructs, like almost of a, and, and a complex league that they were rocking out, Carlos Jorge and stuff like that. And he was a big physical presence who, covered the plate better than anybody outside of maybe Edwin Arroyo has easy power can get under the ball great instincts he's just like he's a great high school guy that reclassified to join this draft like you said playing at Juco ball playing above his next level I mean everything he's done is awesome and he's getting the I'm a Cincinnati Reds discount player like Edwin Arroyo is getting Edwin Arroyo is getting, I think, unrightfully dinged now. Everybody was so high on him last year. Now that he's a Reds prospect, everyone's down. Kind of the same thing with Collier. If Collier was drafted to the Braves or he was drafted, you know, three overall, if he was in a big organization, I think people would open their eyes a little bit more. But I just think this is such a great pick. And I'm a little bit more of an upside guy, sometimes over proximity. And that's why I got Collier so high because I think the upside is really, really high. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to be one of the lowest people around on Collier. And I think he's going to be a divisive guy. I, th I personally think so. I think the power is, the raw is legit. I mean, I think that there is potential plus raw here. It's not there yet, but I think that definitely we'll probably get there. I think there's a real good question about how much power he's going to get to ultimately in games because he's very firmly hit over power right now. It's it's really not close. I mean, I think that the hit tool is potentially plus. It looks like you all outlined a lot of what's great about Collier, but I'm wondering like what kind of power potential he'll get to because I'm concerned about might not get to plus game, might not get to even above average game. Do you think it's going to be like Brian Hayes? Like it, it almost sounds like you're you're talking about Key Brian Hayes where there there was a high hit tool in the minors who he had like we could see 25 plus raw power in the minors if he could connect into it but it's never happened. It's literally never happened. It almost sounds like that's who you're making him to be. You know, it's not quite there. Not <laughs> Hayes, it's they're very different type prospects. But yeah, yeah. I mean it is not I don't I'm he's very young. There's a lot of time, a lot of leeway before, or a lot of runway for him to get to that power in games. And I think that he could, he could get there, but that's just my, my big question is he's not going to probably provide any speed, especially as he gets more, more mass on his already big body at 17 years old. And if he's not getting to power now, when he's already fairly large, I'm just questioning where that will ultimately land. And that's my concern with Collier. Especially since, look, this is a fantastic loaded draft class. So, you know, you could get someone like a Collier all the way down like 14 or 15 in this class. And we'll, we'll see. We're going to get there very soon. So, you know, I don't know. I, I do think there's just too many questions with where his ultimate upside is for me to be willing to take him that early. Yeah, it's a fair debate. And good but point at 10, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a good debate. I know we got to burn through it, but I feel like Collier deserved that because Collier, there's still a couple more guys that like really represent this like first round. But Collier, is, a, I think, is a very divisive one, like you said, that is going to move up and down. Yeah, I think of the guys, just as a note for you for you guys, Cross and Clegg, Collier and DeLauder, I think, are probably the two most divisive first round players, probably overall. Like, I think Spencer Jones there, but I think Spencer between like nine and 12 is like a general range. I really think DeLauder and Collier have this runway of going anywhere from five to 20. I really do in league. So, like, if you guys want to see who are the big swing guys, I, I really think in the first 10, we've hit the two big swing guys. Yeah, I agree. I just, I love the upside with. Me too. Collier, I mean, like the the power, I think he gets there. And what he's shown with a wood bat at 17 years old is betting on young, high hit tool guys that already have the physical presence for power. Those are bets that I like to make. It's a great question to question if it will happen. But like 
we got to take some shots here. And that's yeah. why I, I would take the shot. Certainly. All right. So let me make my 11th pick now that we Wish had a good, my good debate. That was, yeah, that was a, a great debate there on Cam Collier. I'm going with Gavin Cross with the Royals. We saw Cross have a really solid debut. And no, it's not Eric's cousin. Sorry. But oh, come on, Chris. I was not trying to like drive that narrative that I was related <laughs> to Gavin Cross. And you just ruined it. I just it. ruined it. Sorry. Damn you. But Gavin Cross had an excellent college career at Virginia Tech posting really solid numbers across the board. The power really came along this year as he hit 17. And then we saw him hit eight home runs this year in his debut, seven of those being in low A in 123 plate appearances. Good field to hit, too. He had a solid contact rate, didn't chase very often, and the EVs were good. 104, 90th percentile EV was pretty solid for you know a first-year player with wood bat you know, in, in the first pro sample. So he hit the ball 41.9% hard hit rate. Just everything you kind of want to see, I really saw with Gavin Cross. Got to see him live once. He, he was here in Columbia. Overall, I just like the profile. I feel like it's pretty well-rounded. He's going to provide some speed too. Not sure how much, but he's not going to be a zero there in stolen bases. With a decent field to hit, and I think the power is there as well. So Gavin Cross is probably, for me, like – I. I could see either him or DeLouder taking a step forward, but I've got them ranked pretty similarly, and I'm just not sure which way to go at this point. But given the spot here, I mean, DeLouder's far gone, and I'm taking Gavin Cross. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the other one I was debating there. I love Gavin Cross, not just because he has a great last name. I think he's a very good bat. So that's going to rise up rankings a good amount, too. He's he's my number seven. It's like the top four, for, you know, taking out Senga, it's like the top four. Then five, six, seven for me are DeLouder, Collier, and Gavin Cross, and then Jones is right there as well, and then some of the guys like, like Neto and Brooks Lee too, so it's a really fun second tier as well. You guys made this really easy on me. I don't need to go crazy with this. I'll move us along. These picks are going to be snap picks for me. If we were in a draft, I would go bop, bop. I'm going to first up with the last pick in this round, go with Kevin Parada with the New York Mets. High hit tool, hit 361 at Georgia Tech, 26 homers, 30 walks to 32 strikeouts in that time, 88 RBIs with double-digit stolen bases at Georgia Tech. Came in, played a little bit of rookie ball, a little bit of A ball, hit over 270 in both of those. He he all, Actually, he put up a 12 to 13 walk to strikeout ratio in that first bit of the career. Incredibly, incredibly high contact player in college who's got real real power absolute gamer i think this is even though he's a catcher this is an easy pick at 12 and then i'm going to snap pick back with the 13th pick drew gilbert with the houston astros drew gilbert came out out of his pro debut very different bodies by the way kevin prada's big boy uh, drew gilbert like under 510 around a buck 85 but stole six bases hit two homers hit over 13 313 in his debut did the same thing did rookie ball and then went to a ball he struggled a little bit at a ball but that's a transition but there is like again five tool this is that five tool type of look houston astros and what they do and what they put together he can run he can hit some he, he definitely has power maybe you're looking at like a 15 20 type of guy maybe he's going to end up being a 2020 guy maybe the power is going to subside a little bit what you're betting on is high contact with stolen bases maybe you're even jumping up at the top of the of the batting lineup so maybe he's a easy three category player i think there's great floor great ceiling i'm gonna bet that the pat, the bat is going to continue to develop and these are two quick snap picks for me kevin prada and drew gilbert and what was that sound effect you used there welsh which one did i do it the, the one that this described the snap picks the pop pop oh yeah pop 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 there we go bop, 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 bop. It, th those are my 12 and 13 in my rankings too i, I think for me there's uh, top 13 are pretty 
you know, straightforward for me. Then after that, I think is where you can go like a million different directions, like 14 and beyond. All right. So I'm, I like Gilbert a lot. He was going to be a debating pick here. So it's easy for me. I'm going Dalton rushing with the Dodgers. Mm. I don't want to make a overreaction based on a smaller sample to what he did in pro ball, but I mean, look at what he did at Louisville this year. I mean, in 298 plate appearance, he had 23 home runs, a 310 average, a 470 OBP, just ridiculously good across the board. He had a, and his OPS at Louisville this year was 1156. And in high A, or sorry, high and low A with at Rancho Cucamonga, a 1317 OPS and 128 plate appearances there, eight home runs, equal walk to strikeout rate just ridiculous across the board. And I'm hesitant to go this high on him based on 134 plate appearance, professional sample. We, he did play two games at rookie ball, but the numbers just across the board were, were just silly what he did. Not only from just a you know stat line standpoint, but also the underlying data was, was really good too. And near 105 mile an hour, 90th percentile EV zone contact was above 80%. He only chased at 20% pitches and maybe you say well he should do that because he's a college bat in low a i get that but at the end of the day like i think there's something here and we've seen what the dodgers can do with their development and so i'm trusting that and thinking that obviously not sticking at this level we're not going to see him hit 400 up across the minors but i think dalton rushing is just a really good hitter and obviously at a premium position at catcher you, know, you can play first base as well so it'll be interesting to kind of see you know long term where he sticks but in, in hesitancy to push him up like to this point because of small sample, I do like Dalton rushing a lot. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you are, but I think in general, people are pushing him up way too high, overreacting yeah. to that sample size. Like I said, like I, I mentioned in various You think it's spots, a real overreaction? You'd like, I, you don't think it's warranted? No, I think it's partially warranted. Like I said, I think there's a good bat here. Absolutely, I think there's a good bat. I agree with, with a lot of what Chris just said. But since I'm, I, I've seen him go like not not just in FYPD, he's like in Dodger lists and catcher lists and overall lists. I I think there was too much overreaction made to the small sample size of an advanced collegiate bat in low A and the most hitter friendly league yeah. in all the minor leagues. Like California was more runs per game than even the PCL, which was was second overall in terms of ranking leagues. So again, like a good, common. Oh, Sorry, ahead. I didn't. I didn't mean to talk over you on that. I just wanted to add like a common thing that happens because I did talk. I talked about him like a month ago, and he was a guy that was rising for me. But then what ends up happening is you have like the overcorrection. I I kind of agree that like he's it's getting hard to stomach. Not that you know at the end of the day get your guys. You know, get your right, guys. Yeah, I don't absolutely. think fourteen is the bad range. I think this no, is about the range. But like we are we are teetering the line where he might start going ahead of like. Gavin Parada. Cross or Parada or something like that. And I do think it's a little bit over overreaction. My big take from before was Dalton rushing was like at best 30, 25, somewhere in that general range of maybe people's prospects. And, and my take was like, listen, he's a top 20 guy. Like he's someone you should be looking at inside the top 20. There's different flavors of players. A couple of guys we haven't talked about that I think, you know, are being valued in the range that they shouldn't over Dalton rushing. But we are getting into the range where I actually do believe in the bat, but it's getting the the value is chopped off a little bit. We're like, he's really going to have to perform over some of the players that are getting passed up on that. You might be taking here cross or. Uh, yeah, so I am going to go. I'm going to go with a pitcher here and take Dylan Lesko to the Padres, obviously coming off injury here but i love the upside with lesko i think you know take away senga i think this is the best pitcher 
in the class. It's someone that I think obviously has more upside than a Kodai Senga down the road. You know, good mix of pitchers here, headlined by a very, 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 I can't say enough very, sir, very good changeup. It's an elite changeup. You know, fastball, curveball, both have shown promise as well. Still has some more frame to add, even more velocity. And I think he's going to be, you know, this is a guy that we could see, you know, once he, once he kind of settles back in from the injury and, and gets his footing underneath him as a professional ball player, I think this is a guy that you could see jump up rankings a ton into, you know, that kind of range where like Tink Hans and those types of guys are now. And maybe, you know, eventually get up to where we're ranking like Tiedemans and guys like that currently. So could be there's a future where I see Lesko as a number one pitching prospect or at least like a top five pitching prospect. There's so much upside there. Now, obviously, some risk coming off the injury here, but love the upside. And at this point, I like the upside here more than a lot of the other guys in this cluster for me. So I will go Lester here at what is this pick? All right. I'm really excited to see when Lesko returns and how he looks. He's probably going to probably start at the complex, but I imagine he'll be in the Florida State League pretty early. And Florida State League has public stack cast data. And it'll be, or no, he won't. He's on, wow. I have Detroit and San Diego like popping in my head. It's weird (laughs) mixing it up. But no, I mean, Lesko, seeing how he comes out, it'll be very fun to see how he looks because his changeup's ridiculous. He can run the fastball up in the mid to upper 90s, although he more generally sits in the mid 90s, but fun pitching prospect for sure. All right, so I have two picks here. And honestly, like I'm shocked that some of these people are falling to me, but I will take them gladly. First, I will take Jet Williams. He is a shortstop prospect for the Mets, 14th overall pick. Look, I think Williams may be the most underrated prospect in this draft class from a fantasy perspective. He's not a big guy. He's listed about five foot eight, but he has short, quick levers. I mean, he generates massive, explosive bat speed and underrated power. I mean, his exit velocities for a prep are impressive, especially for a five foot eight prep. You know, they are not too far from someone like a Tremar Johnson, for example. So I think that there's a chance that Williams gets to average power and he may already be there, average raw. But really the draw here is the bat to ball, which is among the best in the class, the eye and the, the plate approach is fantastic. And the speed. I mean, his name is Jet for a reason. I mean, obviously his parents didn't anticipate it, but this is a very clear plus runner. I think that he has 20 plus stolen base upside with sneaky power. I think he could get to 15 home runs at peak and he is going to hit for average. Uh, I really think he's a guy who gets overlooked a lot. And I personally have him at 10. And I I think that I know that Brett Sayer has him in the top 10. I think that James Anderson has him fairly high as well. So don't overlook Jet Williams. Uh, Very underrated, sneaky prep prospect with, you know, sizable upside. Next, I'm going to go with an international player here. A player that I actually was considering instead of Spencer Jones way up at nine. Haka Yoshida. So I think that he's going to be a very divisive player for a lot of reasons. I I know that there are some Red Sox fans right on this podcast that probably have some thoughts about Yoshida and the hefty contract that the Red Sox gave him. You know, they paid him a lot more than Kodai Senga, for example. But Yoshida has some of the best bat-to-ball skills of any player in the world. It's ridiculous. I mean, his contact rates last year or for for years now in the Nippon Professional Baseball have been over 90%. He doubled up. He had more than twice as many walks as strikeouts last year in the Nippon Professional Baseball. I think he's going to hit. 
I think he's going to hit for a lot of av great average. I think the greatest question, and you know, a lot of people are going to have it with Yoshida, is how much power he'll get to because he's also not very big. He's five foot, listed at five foot eight, like five foot eight, one seventy or something like that. And you know, while he hit over twenty home runs in in the Bone Professional Baseball a couple times, that's not going to happen likely, especially in Fenway Park, which is devastating to left-handed batters, especially left-handers without massive power. So I think that the the big question with Yoshida is how much impact will he have for fantasy? Previously, I comped him to like an Alex Verdugo because it's super lazy and they're both on the Red Sox. They're both lefties and they both are mediocre corner outfielders. I think that that's sort of like what I think he is. I think he is Alex Verdugo and Alex Verdugo, if he was available in this draft, of course, he or she is a little, little bit older. If he was available in this draft, I think he would go higher. And, you know, I think Yoshida has the potential to outperform someone like a Verdugo. Could we see Yoshida do something like a, a Jeff McNeil impression, like hit 300, over yeah. 300 with 20 home runs? I think we could see that. And, you know, getting that type of production, who's with a lot of financial lock-in from the Red Sox, you know, five years, a hundred million. I think that Yoshida is going to be maybe underrated in first-year player drafts. I think he has legit redraft value and yeah, give me all the shares of Yoshida at this price. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a better version of Verdugo potentially. And I, I'm one of the lower ones around on Verdugo. I think he's a real life player. Like it's way overvalued for fantasy. I will not have a, him on any team in any format, in any league, anywhere. You know, I like him. I, I agree with what, what, what you said. We'll see how much power he gets to in games. I think that's kind of the big X factor here. But yeah, contact skills, approach, all that. Very, very good. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Obviously, Red Sox, I want him to succeed. I want him to do great. I want him to hit 30 bombs, but that's not realistic. All right, my next pick here, pick 18. Oh, I I could go. I have two guys here. One is super safe and boring. The other one is super risky and exciting. I'll go this. I'll go this safe, boring guy. And I'm not even sure if I love this pick or not, but I'll go Jace Young, the younger brother of Josh, I mean, second baseman, went to the Detroit Tigers, which I think dropped his value a bit in FYPDs. Probably would have gone a few picks higher in general if you went to really any other team for the most part. But obviously Detroit, not a great place to hit, but this is a very solid, safe bat, uh, potential to hit for a high average. He walked more than he struck out in college, you know, super low K rate, can get on base at a good clip, 468 career OBP in 136 collegiate games. You know, not a ton of power, but th there's enough power there. I think he could get to, you know, 15, 18 home runs, something like that. And, you know, maybe add in a couple of steals. Like, speed's going to be a big element of his game. Only stole 10 in college and 12 attempts. So, kind of a boring player here. But, hey, if you can hit 280-plus, 15 to 18 home runs, maybe, you know, four to five steals, something like that. You know, I think that'll play. Again, it won't be super exciting, but that has some value in that profile as well. So, I'll go Jace Young here. All right. Well, I'm going to take another pitcher off the board. I think it's really close between this guy and Dylan Lesko for me, and I'm not sure that you'll have to take him this high, but I do like him this high, and that's uh, Cooper Jerpy, a lefty from Oregon State, drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. Jerpy's funky, man. He's got a funky delivery. He's His release point's like four and a half feet off the ground, and while his fastball doesn't blow anybody away, it plays up so much because of the release point, and you know his breaking ball is... I would say a 60 grade at least. He's just got excellent stuff across the board. So I'm posting near 40% strikeout rate this year at Oregon State. 
and he walked just 23 batters in 103 innings. That was good for a 5.6% walk rate. So, you know, really good across the board. His profile, we saw it kind of take a step forward this year. He was a freshman during the pandemic year, so we didn't get to see much. And he didn't really stand out in 2021. But this season, Jerpy just took it to another level. And I think he's going to be able to make this weird release and delivery work just due to the fact that he's so different. Man, he's so unique with what he does. And he still just has good stuff as well. So I think he's going to be able to dominate, honestly. And I love Lesko. I think that Jerpy may be a hair safer just because we've seen him in college and he's a bit older and a bit more advanced. So this may be more a divisive pick, but I like Jerpy a good bit. I, I want to quickly note on Jerpy, he had the he has the lowest release point and widest release point of any pitcher in baseball. Period. Like even Major League Baseball, if you compare it to Major League Baseball, it would be lower than it would be lower in water than anybody. I mean that. There's a reason why, you know, maybe it's a low nice fastball, but it's probably plus, it might be a better pitch than that. And I'm really fascinated to see how it plays in professional baseball. I think he's going to be a player who gets overlooked because he doesn't have huge velocity, but, you know, he, he kind of could work in a lot of ways like Nestor Cortez, for example, worked this yeah. past year. I was going to say, I actually got to kind of tell you guys that like, if you don't count Senga, Jerpy would be the top pitcher I would be taking here. So it's interesting to hear you guys talk about him being overlooked and, and even seeing him fall in the drafts not that the i think the high school side of pitching here has some insane upside but i do feel like i'm feeling a little bit of the burn in recent years of all of these guys that are coming off of injuries and you've got lesko and you got brock porter and there's a bunch of these guys that are very exciting but jerpy's on a great organization that develops pitching he has he his stuff moves even though it's not the biggest stuff the the way the ball moves with him i i don't know he, he'd be the top guy i'd be taking if i'm taking a pitcher but I pushed them down. You guys made this easy on me. I know we're going to rapid fire here, but someone I think that is crazy falling is Jacob Barry. Jacob Barry, I'm going to take here with the 20th pick. He's not a defensive player. There's not a whole lot of defensive upside or even home, which you could probably question, but the bat is very big, very still big grades on uh, the power and even some of the hit tool college. He obviously put up big numbers, some Kyle Schwarber like comps and especially in the ease of how he turns his body is very Schwarber esque, but there's some things that are missing in there. Uh, Jacob Berry, pretty easy pick here talking proximity. And the other one, I'm going to go with with Justin Crawford. I'm going to go with Carl Crawford's kid. This is a pure, pure upside play. Still 10 bases this past year in a very limited time he got in 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 rookie ball. I think it was just rookie ball. He might have gone to A, but I think it was just in the complex league. Batting average struggled a little bit. Didn't tap into much power, but he physically has already grown really, really big. And you're talking on, you know, bloodlines that are through the roof. I love the stolen base upside. This, I think, is a crazy... I think both of these guys are just really good values coming into the 20s if you were able to get these in the second round of your draft. So I'm going to take a couple more bats here. Jacob Berry, Justin Crawford. Crawford was the other guy I was debating with with Jace Young. I, I like Crawford a lot. If he can get to that power even a little bit, he's going to be a very fun player. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to quick fire off and take Cole Young with Seattle. I think that he may be going a little low in FYPDs, and the more I've really dug in, the more I really like the profile. So Young, to me, I think he's really going to develop and just get into more power. And I think there's intriguing things to like here as well. So I'm, I'm going to take Cole Young, maybe a bit early, but I've moved him up to this range of my rankings. 
Yeah, Cole Young is a guy I definitely undervalued a bit too, and he's moving up too. I, I don't, I still have him around thirty overall, but that might even move up even more before I post my updated rankings. Yeah, Cole Young is definitely a solid player. Ah, uh, there's several guys here I, I like, all fairly similar. I'll go, I'll go Dylan Beavers, outfielder for Baltimore again. Love what Baltimore's doing there. Beavers was a collegiate guy from the University of California. Wrote him up in my AL East breakout prospects article about, a, I don't know, five, six days ago or so now. Power speed blend is there, especially on the power side of things. We'll see where the hit tool, you know, is. That's the X factor with him. If he can get hit enough average to kind of maximize the power and get on base enough so you can steal some bags. But really fun profile that could really break out this year. Now, if the game power comes, I don't think he hit a home run last year after he debuted. But the raw power is there. You know, I, I like the frame a lot, like the you know team, I like the organization, I like the ballpark as well. So Dylan Beavers will be my pick here. All right, two picks here for me. I am first going to take Brock Porter. He is a prep pitching prospect, fourth round pick from the Texas Rangers. He was given a massive bonus. They floated him down to the fourth round with their extra bonus pool money they saved on Kumar Rocker. Brock Porter has wild upside. Of course, you know, prep righties in the first round have a terrible, terrible track record and carry all the risk in the world, but he's already sitting mid to upper 90s and he's six foot four and projectable. It's like a beautiful you know, pitcher frame here. And he also has probably a plus plus changeup already a lot like Dylan Lesko. And again, like Lesko, I think the question here with Porter is how the sec- how the breaking balls will develop, which is a big, big thing for righties, right? So we'll see. I think that the upside here for him is massive. The risk is also massive. Next, I am going to be taking Eric Brown Jr., shortstop prospect for the Brewers. Brown is an intriguing prospect. First round pick, but you know, he is has one of the strangest stances you will see in this draft class. It kind of looks a little bit like what, if you recall, Kevin Euclid's stance with the bat way up over his head. Duke. But but he makes crazy amount of contact. He can gets very much consistent swings in despite that wacky stance. I think that there's a potential plus hit tool here given how much contact he makes and his exceptional plate discipline. I don't know how much power he'll ultimately get to. There is juice in his bat, but he is very much a hit over power guy right now. But I do think that there could be above average raw ultimately in this bat. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that given where he currently is. But that and also he has speed. Uh, He's not like the flashiest or fastest base runner but he's going to steal bases and i think it will be double digit he could be 20 plus he ran wild in his debut but we'll see how that continues to hold but really like eric brown as an underrated five tool option late in drafts i just want to point out that we've had someone with the last name cross taken in this first round and the first name eric i just want that out because i don't know how often (laughs) i'll be able to say that in, in any given year so just want to point that out all right i like eric brown jr too in general that's a good pick there I was debating him here. I will go. I'm going to go Brock Jones, outfielder, went to Tampa Bay in the second round out of Stanford. Another guy where, you know, he's almost like a poor man's the louder. Good power, a little bit of speed as well. Showed a good approach in college. You know, walk rate very high. Kept the K rate in check. You know, kind of some concerns of where's the hit tool end up. But he kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, some of this was in rookie ball. But had four home runs and 11 steals in just 19 games after the draft for the 407. OBP in the 264 ISO 529 slug. So I think there's a good amount of upside here. If the, if he can hit for enough average, even just to get to like the 255, 260 range, which I think is possible, I think he's going to be a, a pretty good value in FYPDs here. I have him at 21 overall, so I'll be happy to take him here at 26. 
All right. So that leaves me. I'm going to go back to the pitching well. I'm going to go with uh, Cade Horton, who I think is. I was talking with Jesse yesterday. I think he's being a bit undervalued. I think Jesse scooped him up at like 35 in the call up FYPD, which I thought was a bit low. But I really like what he brings to the table. I know that there's definitely some risk in this profile. And by no means is he safe. But is any pitcher really safe, if we're being honest? Not I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, what Horton did last year, and especially in the postseason, was just absolutely insane. And I just really expect him to continue to develop on what he did. I mean, we're talking about somebody who was a multi-sport athlete and was also a two-way player and just really began to focus on pitching this year just pretty strictly and you know he's coming back from injury the the tommy john surgery basically ended his dream of being a two-sport athlete he played football and baseball at oklahoma for a bit but he focused he came back he focused and then obviously worked his way back up to be a top 10 pick over his final four starts struck out 40 walked just four against some of the top offenses in college baseball that was in the postseason i mean he did struggle initially but he was coming back from tommy john this year so I'm not sure what you can expect. I mean, fastball, upper 90s, ton of whiffs at, at the top of the zone. The slider, I mean, it gets near 90s, 88, 89. I think it showed to be a 6 or a 7, honestly, on a grade grading scale, and that's pretty impressive. And then I also like the changeup. He mixed in the curve some, but I really just expect Horton to you know, be the value. Like I think the consensus top three are probably at least Lesko and Porter are going to go over them in every FYPD. But Jerpy, maybe too. But I really like what Cade Horton brings to the table. I'm shocked, my Rick. I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that, Clegg. I'm not going to say who because I'm sure – yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm sure you might go with him with your last pick. But I, I was shocked you, you didn't go with this other guy. <laughs> I'll get him next pick, hopefully. Yeah. I'm going to do uh, – because we, we're up on the last one. My last two picks is going to be pretty easy for me. I'm now going to do what I love to do, and this is where I'm going to start taking my pitching. And I'm going to go back-to-back pitchers. Number one, I'm going to take Landon Sims. Homer out maybe a little bit with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Converted off of being a closer, frontline starter. And I'm going to take Jacob Mizrowski with the Brewers as my two big pitchers here. Cade Horton, I have quite a bit higher. Brock Porter's already gone. Lesko, these are literally my next two pitchers on the board. All the hitters have gone. So I'm actually staying very, very firm to my uh, to my ranks list on this. But Landon Sims, Jacob Mizrowski, Brewers, and Diamondbacks. All right. And my final pick, I'm going to go with somebody that I think I'm probably too high on in Roman Anthony, but... I really like what Anthony brings to the table. I mean, massive power. We saw him in the Futures game in 2021, hit a 450-foot blast. I mean, the EVs are insane. He has good speed, too. I think that's what's kind of underrated about him. He can run. He had really good clock times as a prep player. And honestly, like I think that he's just going to surprise people a bit and really move up boards after the season. And... It, it, this could, I mean, there's definitely a bust case with Roman Anthony, but I think that he was a great value in the draft for the Red Sox. Eric, I think they did great there. And yep, I agreed. Also, I'm just on him for fantasy. I think it's a fantasy friendly skill set, and I don't think he's being valued appropriately. I, I don't know if I know you anymore at all. That's not, that's not even the guy I was thinking of either. <laughs> I'm thinking of, of, of a corner infielder. So from the Pacific Northwest, I won't go any further than that. But uh, yeah, no, Roman Anthony, I, I, that was a good pick as well. I like I liked uh, getting him there for the Red Sox. And yeah, fun player for fantasy purposes, for sure. I wrote, wrote him up as well in my AL East breakout article, breakout prospects article, excuse me, 
My last pick here, I could go a thousand different ways. I was debating going with, with Celestin, one of the top international guys this year. But I'm going to go with Jordan Beck, another you know nice power speed blend there. I'm going to Colorado as well. That's, that's pretty fun um, as well. Questions with the hit tool? Again, it's kind of a, a theme here with my last couple of picks, but power speed is there. He's a good defender as well, good arm, so that'll help him. You know, Even when he's struggling, that gives him a little bit of a longer leash, which is good to see. He was taken 38th overall by, by the Rockies in 6'3", 225, nice frame, a good career at Tennessee. So I'm, I'm hoping the hit tool is at least good enough to get into that power speed. And even, you know, in o- a lot of that can be hidden in Colorado as well. We've seen, you know, 40 hit tools play up as 45s, 45s play up as 50s, et cetera, et cetera, at Colorado. Uh, so like the landing spot here. So I will go with Jordan Beck with my last pick and over to Mr. Roche to round things out. All right. Again, like Eric said, a lot of options we could do here. I think the tiers are beginning to get very broad, but I'm going to get, I'm going to go with a player that Eric referred to, a Felon Celestin. Uh, he's a shortstop prospect likely to sign with the Mariners. He is 16 years old. He will, he will be 17 at opening day. I will talk briefly about how you should be fading international free agents in these drafts. These 16 and 17 year old players, you should fade in most of these drafts because the opportunity cost of rostering them is too high because they're not going to arrive and debut in the Dominican summer league until June, July. And you know, what if they crash and burn? We saw that recently with a lot of players. In fact, I mentioned this to Chris Clegg the other day is that the two highest players from last year's international free agent class, other than Oscar Colas, that I have ranked are players that were not even drafted in a 30 team league. So I think the best way to approach these players generally is to wait and draft and pick them off off of waivers in June and July of most leagues. But Celestin's very much a high upside player, has power speed, switch hitting shortstop, likely to stick at the position. I think he could be a player who really, you know, rises quickly in a lot of ways. You know, very much a exciting, exciting prospect. But again, the opportunity cost of rostering him now is very high. <laughs> but at this cost, I will, I will gladly do it. I do want to add, I think that he would probably be a top 10 pick in previous years FYPDs if it weren't for the bust rate we've seen of international I agree with prospect that, yeah. in recent years. So at this spot, it's hard to pass up on that. I, I think even even though there's a lot of risk, I mean, just Every this, this is also yeah, this is also my semi disagreement with Jesse because I'm not fading them because they're coming at exponential cost compared to previous years. Now, yep. if I had to if I had to pay top fifteen for Celstein or Ethan Salas. I would hard pass it, hard pass it, but they're not. These guys are going after the top 20. And that's where I completely agree with Jesse in that like your team context is super important. If you only keep mm-hmm. 10 minor league players, even if you're 24 teams, I don't even know if I have that much of an interest. But if you play in like true dynasties where your minor league system just keeps turning over and stuff, I actually do have interest in, in, in these players. And, and I wouldn't phrase it, me personally wouldn't phrase it as like I'm fading these guys because I'm not because they're just so much cheaper. Even if I were to say like I valued Felnin as like the 12th overall player, let's say. I don't even have to come remotely close to that. I could rank him at 25 and I'll still get him probably by 50 picks more than any other person. So that's why I'm kind of on the same context with you, Jesse, except like you're very anti and I'm very for because of the cost and the investment that it takes, at least for those two, Solace and and Felman. 
but we are fading. If you would rank these players in like the top 15 and you're getting them in like around 30, that is fading. And I, that's just like fading throughout. I mean, just you're not taking them as early as you maybe otherwise yeah. would. That's what I'm saying. I would not completely like write these players off, but it's going to have to come in a range like this for me to really be interested in, in most formats, it's, especially if it's like, I would, I'm probably avoiding them altogether if it's like a 200 or less prospects rostered type of league or format, because the, again, the opportunity cost of holding these players throughout the season is just way too high because of all the other prospects that are going to pop you know, in April, in May, in June, and before these players even debut. But of course, in deeper leagues, you know, these are good, you know, investments to to make, especially at this cost. Yeah. yeah and I think if I'm going to get one of these guys, like Celestin is the number one internet, like taking away, you know, Yoshida and Senga, he's the number one for me. So if I have him ranked, I've been kind of fluctuating. It's right around 20. You know, I've kind of gone up as high as like 17, 18, as low as 24, 25. So he'll be right in that general range. But yeah, if there's one guy I was going to, you know, try to get in this, it was going to be Celestin. I almost did, but I have Jordan Beck ranked a couple of spots higher. So I went with Jordan Beck, but. Yeah, really good stuff here. A lot of so this is a very fun draft class. Good mix of players. Get your upside guys for sure. What some safer guys, some fun international guys. So this was a fun exercise. Thanks to Mr. Chris Welsh and Mr. Jesse Roach for coming on. Before we get out of here, though, gentlemen, give you guys the floor real quick to tell everybody all the good stuff you got going on at your respective locations. Jesse, what's going on over at Baseball Prospectus? We're still in the middle of the top prospect series that the prospect team puts out. I do the fantasy takes for those for the most part, but we're starting the positional series on January 17th to start with our top 100 first year player draft rankings. So, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about will be in my article <laughs> that comes out on January 17th. Then, of course, we go into catchers, first base, second base, etc., all the way through, and it it will run from January till mid-March, and it's just going to be a lot of content coming over for each position at the at Baseball Prospectus. So, you know, give us a subscription. It's a great time to subscribe. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Welsh? People can find me over on Prospect One. That's a show they probably care about if they're listening here. Prospect One on all the major podcast places. I'll probably be doing some versions of talking about first year player, international, and just a you know litany of other things. So it's a prospect based fantasy show. And if you guys want to check it out in this league.com, you can sign up on the Patreon. That's where I got my top 500 prospects, my dynasty list, first year player, got the P180Ps, 280Ps for prospects. And, uh, you know, you can just find me on a bunch of places, you know, CBS and really everywhere. I'll, I'll poke my head around. So come and check me out on Twitter as well. Is it the Welsh? Where aren't you now? Welsh is, is the better question. Yeah, well, I'm here. I was about to say like fan tracks, but I'm doing this show today. So I can't say that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. No matter where you are, Welsh is going to pop up and give you some great content. Maybe like everybody else, not at Roto World, NBC. Pretty much like every other baseball <laughs> person. <laughs> but every, yeah, every, everywhere else, though. But That's the thanks, only one. Jen- Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. That is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. I'm at Eric Cross 04. Chris is at Chris Clegg is at Roto Clegg. Chris Welsh is at Is It the Welsh? And Jesse is at J.A. Roche, the number six. We will be back next time with our outfield prospect rankings episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs> <laughs>